Wisconsin. So these guys contacted us, and uh, I didn't know they bought the, the, the album, but they did. They went on our website because we don't even sell it right now because uh, we just didn't like how the mix was or whatever. But anyway, and not only that, uh, last year, if you remember, we did a, a biker's bash up in, uh, where, where's that, honey? Decatur, Texas, and it was, it was like the worst show we ever did. Because every time we tried to play a song, the whole PA system was shut off. And it went through the whole concert like that. So we never did actually get to play a full song. Just We just kept going off and on. So we just we just packed up our gear and went home. And we never said a word. We didn't gripe. We didn't complain. We just went home. Well, they contacted me this week. And they said, we want you guys to come out and headline the concert. It's like, Wow. So sometimes it's good just to keep your mouth shut because it had been, it'd been easy to say something, you know, but we just said, you know what, it's not even worth griping about. So we just packed up and just, you know, maybe it'll work out better next time, and so hopefully it will. So if you got your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 63, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11 again. And once you find your place, as always, we ask you to stand. For the reading of God's holy word. Got your place, say amen. The Bible says a psalm of David. When he was in the desert of Judah, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry in parts land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and I beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life and my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will, I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Verse 6, on my bed... I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings, and I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me, and those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for the jackals. Verse 11, but the king will rejoice in God and all who swear by God will glory in him while the mouth of liars will be silenced. Let us pray. Holy Father, in the mighty name of Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our King of Kings, this day, God, we just praise you and we thank you for the reading of your word. Father, we ask that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would fall fresh in this place. God, I tremble to think about standing before you, before your people and, and preaching. Lord, this is not an easy task. I've never have found it easy, and, and I don't believe I ever will. But Lord, some men trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but I trust in the name of the Lord my God. So Father, I just pray that God, if you would, just anoint me for just this time. I'm not even promised tomorrow, but I'm here today in the mighty name of Christ. 
And so let these lips be your lips and let these words be your words and let the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto your sight. I praise you now, God, and we love you in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Now, last week, as some of you know, we we began a brand new sermon series. And we're going to bring that series to a close. It's just a two-part series, which is very short, but that's okay. Because we're going to learn exactly what God wanted us to learn. And so this sermon series is entitled, Having Hope in Dry Places. And I want you to turn to your neighbors and neighbor. We're learning how to have hope. When times get dry, hallelujah, because like we said last week, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are in life, eventually you will come to that place in life where things become very dry. But let me put this thought in your mind. Hopefully those dry times will just be a quick overnight or a quick time in dryness and and, and not a, a season of dryness. Because a season of dryness could be a week long, two weeks, a month, and sometimes even years. And sometimes God would bring you to those dry places and keep you there until you learn the lesson that God is trying to teach you. And if you don't believe me, then just go ahead and ask the Israelites who are in the wilderness for over 40 years because they did not learn their lesson. Can I get an amen? But, but we see the, in the book of Solomon, he tells in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And so if, if God has brought you to a dry place, just think to yourself that this is just a season. In other words, if you are in a winter, you can always look forward to the season of spring and summer. You don't stay in a season forever. So that's good news to know that, that, that these tests that God allows us to go in will not last forever. But we need to keep in mind how the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. And so I'm going to read you this verse and I want you to keep in mind that I may be in a dry season, but I am going to pass through. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 29, by faith, everybody say by faith, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do it, they were drowned. So as you walk through the dry seasons or the dry times in life, walk it by faith. Because God says that we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, don't get caught up in what you see, what you hear, or what you feel. Get caught up in what the Word of God says. Because the Bible tells us, if God be for me, who can be against me? And so we're going to step on down to verse 5. And this is where we left off last week. And I'm not going to repeat what I taught last week because if you need to learn what we taught last week, then go to our website, millwoodchurchrc.com and tap into that message and catch up if you're not there today. But we're in verse 5. David says, I will be fully satisfied. Everybody said, I will be fully satisfied. As with the riches of food and with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And so David 
We see in our text that here he is, is in a dry place, but he has the perfect attitude. He's loving God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, and with his mind in a place with no water, probably a hardly a shade tree in sight, but he has an attitude of a champion. He is, he's, he's got his focus where it needs to be. And this is what hurts us mainly when we're in these dry places is because we get our focus on the problem itself. But notice that David, he's not having a pity party. He's not feeling sorry for himself. He's not focusing on the trials or the tribulation, but his attitude and his focus is upon God and God alone. And this will help you in those dry times. And I want you to notice the analogy that he is using here. He said that his satisfaction is like very rich food. And so in my ignorance, I'm thinking that that first of all, I'm thinking that, oh, he's talking about, you know, when he went to King Saul's house over and over and he would sit at the king's table. And I'm thinking that probably he's, he's talking about the big spread. Come on, amen. Because can you imagine how a banquet would be at a king's house? And I said, well, this is probably the rich food he's talking about. But, but nevertheless, I, I believe this is what he's actually talking about. And I'm going to use a good example here. And that is sweet, rich food. Kristen, she has the tendency to make certain desserts. And, and they'll be very, very, very sweet. And she'll bring me a big hunk of it, and I'll eat probably a quarter of it, and she's like, oh baby, don't you like this? And I say, yeah, I love it, but it's, it's more than I can handle. It's, it's a little too sweet for me. I can only eat so much, but, and not that I didn't like it, it's just I could not, consume as much as she wanted me to. Well, in the same way, the Bible teaches us that God's word is sweet like honey. Can I get an amen? Psalms 119 verse 103, David said, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, you try to consider how much honey could you actually consume? Now, Skip says, Pastor consumes a lot of honey because he's always bringing me a whole big thing of honey. And I say, more, more. But but in, in reality, I only just eat a little at a time, you see. Because if I took a big bunch of honey, I'd be like, whew, that, that's too much, too sweet. Because I can only eat so much sweetness. Well, in the same way, years ago, I had an experience with God. And I've never had one like this before. It was a time where the Holy Spirit was poured out on me so heavy that I could not even control my own emotions. I mean, tears were just coming out of me like I could not stop them. I was trembling and shaking, and I was in complete awe of God on my life. That was heavy. And I can promise you at that time, I didn't say, Oh God, I want some more of you. Because if God would have poured more on me at that time, I probably would have exploded. Because it was just overwhelming. And I believe this is what David is actually talking about 
even in this dry place, he's raising his hands. He's singing praises to God. He's exalting God with all that he is, his strength and mind. And because of the way he's, his attitude is toward God, he's having an experience with God that nobody else is having but him because he has got the right attitude about life. And it doesn't matter how bad life gets. If we can keep a good attitude, and I guess that would be called the attitude of gratitude, thankful, thankful that we do have a country where we still have freedom to worship God. We still have a building that we can come and, and raise our hands and sing on Sunday mornings. We still have food in our bodies. We still have a home. We still have health and strength. We have so much to praise God about. But it's so easy for the enemy to bring those dry times in your life to get you out of focus. I think God wants us to stay focused today. Because only he knows what we are dealing with personally. Now I want to read a story I'm sure you're going to be familiar with, but I want you to think about this man as he experienced God for the first time one-on-one. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord God saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. He said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, we know the story of Moses that as a young man, he was disobedient to God. He even took a man's life. And he spent most of his early lifehood, maybe 40 years, training. And here he is, 80 years old now. And God has called him to the burning bush in a dry place. Come on, amen. In in other words, when you think it's over, it ain't over. When you think you've done all you got to do in life, I got news for you. God is not finished with you. You might have to walk through this door with a stick in your hand, but I got news for you. God is not through with you. And so when... When Moses comes to this place, can you imagine the feeling of God in front of you in a flaming, burning bush that does not be consumed by the fire? He he was probably trembling. Fear had fell on him. He was overwhelmed. And I promise you, Moses didn't say, God, I need more of you. No. At this point, Moses, like David, was satisfied. Because Moses was at a time in his life where he wasn't complaining, he wasn't arguing, but he was thankful for the life that he had. He had a good attitude, and because of it, he too experienced God in a dry place. 
And so here we find David. David in this dry place, he's praising the Lord. And, and I'd like to give you an idea of what that might sound like. Because when you, when you open the Bible to the book of Psalms, you find all these Psalms that David written personally. And, and you got to, got to remember that, that these were actual songs. Now, I'm not going to sing it because I, I don't want the church to empty out. Because if I sing, it's going to be like metal and you're going to be like, ah. I don't think that's how it sounded, but that'd be the only way I could really sing it. So I'm just going to read the words to you, but I want you to listen and just try to use your imagination of, of, of this man of God in this dry place, just singing out to God. And I, I could just hear the words of Psalms 103, for example, verse 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who, hallelujah, are you with me? And forget not all, who forgives all your sin, who heals all your disease, who redeems your soul from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, and who satisfies your needs with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. If you're ever feeling old and wore out, praise the Lord. Because there's something about praising God that will put strength in your legs. Christian said, I'm tired today. Well, praise the Lord. You might want to run out of this building. Get excited and get fired up about feeling so good when you praise the Lord. And so I'm going to bring you to verse 6. Now, this is this is the verse... That actually drew my attention to this whole psalm in the first place. I love this part right here. Verse 6. Because I can relate to this big time. He says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Now, Charles, you're going to be a really good hold of this one I'm about to talk about. Because you've been there and you know this. I can't tell you how many times over the years, I mean over and over, that I would be woken up from a good night's sleep in the middle of the night with some serious back pains. And you know as well as I do that the moment that you wake up, that's when what happens? Your mind, it wakes up and all of a sudden you begin to think. You think about things you wish you did, things you wish you said, things that you got to do. You think about those projects, and next thing you know, you're up all night, head just spinning, back still hurting, and and, and you're just in this trap. And you can't escape it, and you cannot, no matter how hard you try, return to that place of sleep until maybe the last hour. You finally fall asleep, then then the alarm goes up. Come on, amen. And you're thinking, oh, snap. I'm exhausted. I'm wore out. I tossed and turned all night. It's because your focus was on the wrong thing. See, the enemy knows how to work our minds. I want to share a verse with you, and I want you to think about this. You know this is spiritual warfare, but but listen how Paul ends this. This is the King James Version, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. 
Because I want you to see who it is that, that, that's bringing, bringing the pain and bringing the thoughts to you. I want you to think about that while we're reading this verse. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down the strongholds. Listen. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, the enemy knows that, that if I can just get them in there, if I can wake them up with a little pain, pow, I can get their minds off track. I can get them thinking. They'll have a restless night. Now, I'm going to get to this in a minute, the reason why he does this. But Paul, he tells us that we got to take those thoughts captive. If you have to stand up in the middle of your bed and say, thoughts in the name of Jesus, you're under arrest. Whatever you have to do to take those thoughts captive, you need to control them. In other words, turn that off. And you need to begin to think upon the things of God's word. Because it's in the word of God is where you find sweet sleep. Where you find peace. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? I think about when I, when I was a child and, and, and I was be going through something. I don't know if I got hurt, if I stumped my toe or whatever it may be. I could always find comfort, not in my daddy's arms because he really never held me. I'd sit in his lap sometime, but, but it was mama who would always bring you in. Come on, amen. And, and I don't care what you're going through in life as a child, when you got in the arms of mom, Something happened. Peace. You, you felt safe. You felt secure. You, you felt that, that, that nothing will harm me because mama's got me. Everything's going to be all right. And I remember, you know, you cut yourself. What is she? She's going to blow on it. <sighs> well, what is that? That's, that's not going to do anything. But, you know, if she just blows on it, you know. <sighs> well, in the same way, the, the word of God is the breath of God. Every word, come on, is what? The breath of God. And, and it doesn't matter what you're going through. If you can get your mind in this time when you woke up at night and just get your focus on the word of God. Listen to what David says here in Psalms 4 and 8. He said, in peace. Everybody say, in peace. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Come on, blow on me, Lord. Blow that breath on me. Proverbs 3 and 24. He says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Now, I did some research this week. And I found out that over 50 million people in America every night are struggling with something called insomnia. That's a lot of people that every night they go to bed and what do they do? Toss and turn. They cannot sleep. And I would be safe to say that probably 80% of these people never think upon the word of God. 
Now, when they go to bed, that they can't sleep because their mind is caught up by the enemy. He's got their mind on their jobs. He's got their mind on their finances. He's got their mind on everything. Their, their worries, their stress. He's got their mind on, on the people who hurt them. And they're thinking about how I'm going to return that hurt. Come on, amen. Have you ever thought how you're going to beat somebody up at night? Come on. This is what I'm going to do. Come on, you got it all planned up. Next, tomorrow, it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. Come on, amen. You got it planned in your mind. So you can't sleep because you're thinking. So, so when see the enemy, he's working here because he has a plan. What is it? What is his plan to come? He comes to what? To steal, kill, and destroy. Now, here's why he does this. If I can keep them up all night, they will be tired, irritated, and short-fused. Come on, amen. And all it's going to take is one word in so-and-so, and they're going to snap. Come on, amen. It's on. Now, you get a bunch of tired people on Central Expressway in the morning, you got trouble. You got something called road rage. I'm tired. I slept. 50 million people are tired. Right now, people can't even come to church. I'm too tired. It's, it's because the enemy has got control of their minds. Listen to what David says. I mean, Solomon, Proverbs 4.16. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. See how he's working? They can't sleep. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to hurt somebody. Because his plan is to still kill and destroy. This is how I'm going to get rich. I'm going to rob this bank. They have everything that a thief or a robber or a murderer, all this stuff is thought up. They don't just react. This is something that the enemy has said in their mind like a seed. You don't just walk into the school one day with an AR and start shooting people. This is something that was thought of while he's laying in bed, can't sleep. Think about it. They, they don't just come up with, no, this is something they think about. You don't just walk into a church and start shooting people out of the blue. No, they're irritated, they're tired, they're angry, and they're mad. They don't have no hope. They don't have a savior. The only hope they have is a place called hell. And, and, and most of us are not reaching out to get them out of that place. But Paul, he tells us in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. And with loud tears and cries, present your request to God and the peace of God that passeth all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. He's saying, listen, man, pray about it. When you're laying there and the devil wakes you up, just start praying. If you're not sleeping, you might as well do something, come on, fruitful. Just pray. Last night I woke up for a few minutes. I just started, I started saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on, I, I mean, that's the first thing that popped in my head. I just started singing that 23rd Psalm in my mind, and I, I don't know, I just went back to sleep. No problem there. But we come to verse 7. David said, because you are my help, 
I sing in the shadow of your wings. Let's talk about David. If you have ever in your life been around a positive person, they will change you. And on the other hand, if you've ever been around a very negative, hateful, angry person, they'll change you. Now think about it for just a moment. Would you not have loved to known David? I mean, you, you're going to get to meet him one day. And when you see him, you're going to be overwhelmed by his smile because he, he's going to be the one smiling in heaven. Big smile. Because his attitude was right. And, 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 and what I'm saying is that, that if you and I could be that David for somebody, because our world is hurting and they're, they're going through a lot of stuff. They're not sleeping. They're tired. They're anxious. They're worried. They're troubled. But, but if we could be like David and we could be the encourager, then people' attitude may change around us. They just need some inspiration by our love. Now, David says that he likes to sing under the wings of the Lord. Now, I've never seen God, so I suppose he doesn't have wings because my Bible says we were made in his image, in his likeness, so I, I don't... Y'all don't, I don't have wings on me, so I don't think that God has wings, but he does. He has this thing called his angelic hosts. His angelic hosts are his wings. And, and, and David, he had this, this good attitude about the angels because he's the one that tells us that no matter where you go or what you do, God has his angels encamped around us. In fact, he's the one that tells us in Psalms 91, 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways and lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But I want you to listen to what Paul says because it kind of helps you understand what David is talking about when he talks about singing in the, under the wings. He says to, to enter, entertain strangers, Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Keep on. Entertain strangers, and by doing so, men have entertained angels unaware. And so what I'm seeing in my spirit is David has his attitude like, you know what? I don't know everybody that I meet. And how do I know that even in my dry places, God is not sending someone to check me out? Because the angels will come. And they will measure us. They'll see how we're performing in those driest time. And they'll bring the report right back to God. Well, Candy was doing good. But man, she got that bill and woo, she came off the hook. Right in front of everybody. In front of who? How many times over life have you met people and like, you know, you never see them ever again in life. And then you think to yourself, hmm. I just wonder if maybe that was an angel of the Lord. And then you begin to think, man, how did I act? Come on, amen. Now, sometime I will share my testimony about the angels that I have met. But, but I know that life is mysterious. And so I'm thinking that David is walking his life not wondering, you know, how I'm going to act. Because if I'm going to act right. I'm going to keep a song on my lips because I don't know who's actually watching me out there. This could be the angel of the Lord. And so I'm just going to sing up under the wings. 
He's always raising his hands. He's always singing. He's got this good attitude. And no matter who sees David, they say that David has a heart. He's the man after God's own heart. He's after God. He's searching God. He's loving God. He's needing God. He's living for God. He even tells us in Psalms 40 and 3. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. And many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. David's saying, people's going to see me praising God. And they're going to put their trust in him because of what I did. Paul even says, because of my chains, many of my brothers have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously. In other words, what they're saying, that people are watching us. We, we bear the name of Christ. And, and I think about that, that biker bash. It's coming to my mind again. What if we got mad and threw the mic down or kicked the speaker or whatever? Oh, they would have remembered that. See, they're not thinking about how the power shut off. They're not even thinking about that. All they're thinking about is, is how we responded. And because we responded as men of God, God said, hey, you were faithful with little things. Now I'm going to give you greater things. Are y'all listening to me this morning? So verse 8 says, I will cling to your right hand. I will cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Now, here's what came to my mind. I keep thinking about my mom on certain things in life. I learned a lot. But everyone in this room, you've had that season when you went shopping with mama. And you're walking with her. You got her hand. Come on, amen. And all of a sudden, she's looking at something. She let go of your hand. And your curiosity gets the best of you. And what do you do? You walk off. Then, Then all of a sudden, you notice... That mama's not there. All of a sudden your eyes get big. Your heart begins to race. Your hands begin to sweat. And you begin to take off running. I got to find mama. Now, now this is how the enemy works against us today. Now because reality. Mama was not going to leave us at that store. But in our minds. We're all alone. Will never be found. Someone's going to get me. Come on, amen. And so that's how the enemy works against us. He takes things in life and he makes us feel that God is away from us. But does not David tell us what Moses said? That God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't you think that David knew the words of Moses? And so he's saying, hey... I, I, I know God's always with me, but I'm going to cling to God nevertheless like Velcro. Velcro's amazing to me. Because it's just like, just the way it works. I mean, I wished I invented that. Bob, you didn't invent it, did you? He wished he did. But that, that is amazing how that stuff works. You got two different surfaces and how they grab each other. Sometimes I think I got Velcro on my head because on the back of my couch, I have a circle where I then wore the leather off the leather couch. People came and checked out my couch and said, oh, man, <laughs> what happened to your couch? My head happened. That's what happened. Hallelujah. But David says in Acts 2 and 25, 
We're going to see it. What, what, what did I teach you about the right hand of God? It's a covenant. It means I'm in covenant with God. Listen to what David said, Acts 2 and 25. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I will never be shaken. Isaiah 41 and 10. He, Isaiah says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Moses said Ex- Exodus 15 and 6. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. So what is David trusted in? He's trusting in the strength of God, which brings us to our, our, our last two verses, or our last three verses. We're going to read verses 9 and 10. David said, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. And so David, he knew all about being in covenant with God. And we know the story of how the, the, the Philistines had gathered for war against Israel. And Israel is in their, they're in their manholes. They're, they're scared to death, shaking in the armor because they have a champion named Goliath who's over 10 feet tall. But I want you to listen to the words of David. This, the young man after God's own heart. Here he is, a teenager. Let's say 16. 15, around that age. That's just a guess. How old do y'all think he was? 17? Sounds good. Nevertheless, he was a young boy. So he stands out on that field in front of this giants, and David said, you, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. He said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the God of armies, Uh, the God of Israel's army whom you have defied. He said, this day, I'll strike you down, I'll cut off your head, and I'll feed your carcasses to the birds of air. And all those who are gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He grabs the stone out of his pouch, and by faith, he releases it and destroys the enemy of God. In a dry place. Everybody else is fearful, scared in a dry place. But one man of faith had the courage to step up when everybody else was fearful. And he released a stone, a rock, and, and, and killed the greatest warrior on the earth at that time. I love that time when David goes back and he didn't have his sword and he's, he went back to the place that he left the sword and he, he got the sword of Goliath. He said, there's none like it. Can you imagine the sword that this giant had? It must have been huge. It must have been stained in blood for all the men that he had slain. But David had faith in something that could not be seen by the eyes of men. He had faith in the living God. 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
Verse 11, but the king will rejoice in God. And all who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Let's close with this thought. There's really nothing drier in life except when you have someone who lies about you. When someone lies about your character, who you are, that's a dry time in life. Because what happens in your mind, you're thinking, you know what? What if everybody believes this lie? And, and all of a sudden you're thinking that my, my reputation is on the line here. And they're lying about me. So what are you going to do at this time? What, th- this has happened to me recently. Certain individual had lied about me. And so I had to think to myself, how am I going to handle this? Am I going to come out and and try to take the battle? Well, David teaches me this. The battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. And so if we can learn to keep our mouths shut and say, you know what? Maybe a few people might believe the lie. But my Bible teaches me that the Lord will revenge and the Lord will repay. Revenge is the Lord's and he will repay. In other words, if I can just trust in God with the persecution, with the lies or whatever the enemy has, God is promising us, I got this. In other words, they may sow the wind, but they will reap the whirlwind. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter what they do against you, God has your back. And he said, I'll take care of it. So all those people who made the effort to hurt me, theirs is coming. And so I'll just wait and just wait. And I have seen it year after year after year in this ministry. People have come against me and my wife in this ministry. Years ago in this church when it was young. And we saw God come in and do what he do best. And we never said a word. We just kept quiet, kept loving God, kept praising God, and being like David, being a man after God's own heart. Regardless how dry it gets, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to sing up under your wings. I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to lift your name on high. It doesn't matter how dry it gets. I'm going to praise you with my lips. I'm going to praise you with everything I have inside of me. Because he is worthy of our praise. Can I get an amen? So let's all stand. We'll close this. So we learn through this little series that, you know, when we enter those dry places, first of all, God's trying to teach you something. So I say to myself, I've got to learn what it is that God wants me to learn so I can get out of this place. Secondly, when I'm in this place, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to argue, but I'm going to praise God with all that I have to give Secondly, thirdly, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna focus on my pain. I'm not gonna suffer. I'm not gonna focus on my suffering. I'm not gonna focus on all the negative things that the enemy wants me to see. 
but I'm going to focus on the good things. In other words, I'm going to call things that are not as though they were. I'm going to trust God for the impossible. Because I know what's impossible with man is possible with God. I still believe that God can do far and beyond what I can even imagine or even think. Do you trust him this morning? You may be in a dry place even now. But I wonder, are you going to retaliate in anger? Retaliate in wrath? Or are you going to submit unto God and resist the devil and see if he won't flee? Does he not tell us to do that? Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So whatever we're double-minded about, get your mind off the things of the world. Get your mind on God. And just resist the enemy. How do we resist him? Something called the shield of faith. Lift up the shield in faith and say, devil, you're a liar in the mighty name of Jesus. Just quote what Jesus said. Satan, get behind me, for you are a stumbling block for me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Stand on the word of God and trust him through your dry times. And I can promise you, you'll be like David. And you will shine like stars in the universe. Father, we thank you for the word today. Be with your people. Bless them. Keep them safe, Lord. Watch over them. And we thank you for the healing of our nation. We claim victory in the work of Christ. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen and amen.